Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. What's up, wherever you may be? Thanks so much for making us a part of your time slot on this Tuesday, August 9th, the year 2022. Great to be with you here on the Jordy Holtberg Show. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons under the title of producer of the show. He's... um, in the game studio, which is on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. If you happen to be in the Acadiana area, turn your television set on because we are also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. All right, let's get busy right underway with the latest on Jameis Winston. Dennis Allen, the head coach of the Saints, said this morning that Winston suffered a sprained right foot before leaving practice on Monday. He said he won't play at 7 p.m. on Saturday in the Saints' preseason opener at the Texans. He described Winston's current status as day-to-day. Nothing of significance, but don't want to take a chance for a guy who has been injured before his 2021 season ended early with a torn ACL in his left knee. He looked healthy throughout training camp prior to Monday's injury. So stay tuned for that news. Better to be safe than to be sorry for sure. Um, The NFL has approved the sale of the Denver Broncos to the Walton Penner Group for a record $4.65 billion. What role will Peyton Manning play in that? We shall see. Already a coach has been fired. Not a game has been played. The Washington Commanders, they just can't have a normal week. Head coach Ron Rivera announced the team fired defensive line coach Sam Mills Tuesday. Not the Sam Mills of the Saints. He's gone. He's up in heaven. Um, But this was a little bit more than a month before the beginning of the season. Mills was entering his 18th season in the NFL, third with Washington after coming over with Rivera from the Carolina Panthers in 2020. He is the son of former New Orleans Saints Panthers linebacker Sam Mills, who of course was posthumously elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame this past weekend after his death in 2005. Rivera added that relieving Mills was very Difficult because of his relationship with his family, but just a, they needed a change. They needed a change. So uh, already one coach done. You heard in the two-minute drill, Serena Williams has announced her 
Um, she will retire after this upcoming 2022 U.S. Open. Um, considered the greatest to ever pick up a tennis racket on the female side of things. Uh, Serena Williams just won a tennis match uh, yesterday for the first time in nearly two years. Uh, she said she's ready to move on um for the last five years it was no longer a question of if williams would retire but when uh in 2017 at the age of 35 she won the australian open while eight weeks pregnant with her daughter um so uh hopefully she'll have a nice long run in this u.s open uh but um everything except if you're Tom Brady, uh, comes to an end eventually, right? Eventually. LSU will be on the practice field, full pads. Um, we'll hear from uh, Matthew Bruni coming up here in just a few minutes on the latest on LSU. We'll, we'll talk about um, Coach Mike Denbrock and his thoughts on uh, the offense. We'll also talk with Corey Diaz um, as the Coach Dez era is underway for the Rage and Cajuns. Um, and Corey covers the Cajuns for uh, the Daily Advertiser and USA Today. So that will be our guest in our number one. In our number two, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. We'll talk all about the New Orleans Saints as they get ready for their first preseason game this Saturday um, against the Houston Texans in Houston. So stay tuned for all of that. LSU's had uh, five practices under their belt and the pads come on. So uh, now we'll now we'll start seeing uh, what's going to happen. Um, if this one's not open to the press, a few players will meet with the media afterwards. And we'll talk all about that uh, tomorrow in football recruiting news. Safety Kylan Jackson of Zachary High um, was originally set to announce his school of choice yesterday, but he pushed his announcement back to Saturday. A&M apparently is making a strong push. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. LSU does hope to get some good news tomorrow night when four-star quarterback Ricky Collins of Woodlawn High in Baton Rouge announces his school of choice a little after 7 p.m. Remember, Collins decommitted from Purdue last week. He received an offer from LSU. He's coming to LSU. No question I would be stunned if that were uh, not the case, that were not the case. Still more drama, um, and it's it's really kind of amazing. Kevin Durant is doing everything he can to get out of Brooklyn, meeting with the owner of the team in London saying, hey, it's either me or you're going to take Sean Marks, the GM, and Steve Nash, the coach. Can't have all of us. If you want me, get rid of them. If you want them, get rid of me. Amazing. It's time for the Brooklyn Nets to stand up and put an end to all this mess. And the owner did say, which is, which means absolutely nothing. How many times have you heard an owner come? Um, the coach and the GM have my total support. And then a month later, something happens and they're gone. Uh, so it, it words, tweets mean absolutely nothing. So 
Take it with a grain of salt. Let's see what happens. In Major League Baseball, the Astros uh, struggling a little bit. They've lost two in a row, but they still maintain an 11 and a half game lead over the Seattle Mariners. The Astros are 70 wins up, 40 losses down. They trail the New York Yankees by one game. The Yankees are 70 and 39. Uh, after getting a win last night, they lead the Toronto Blue Jays by 10 and a half. The Tampa Bay Rays by 12 and the hard charging Baltimore Orioles are now 57 and 52. They're 13 and a half games back, but they're in the fray in the in the mix for the wild card position, which I think is the greatest addition baseball could have ever done. Uh, in the AL Central, um, the Guardians of Cleveland have won two in a row. The Minnesota Twins have lost one, so that gap is narrowed. The Twins lead the Guardians by one, and the Chicago White Sox by two. Uh, in the National League, the Mets are on a roll. They've won four in a row. The Braves are sliding. They've lost three in a row. And now the Mets at 71 and 39, the second be- uh, tied for the best record in baseball, that have built a seven game lead over the Atlanta Braves. My St. Louis Cardinals rolling. They've won seven in a row. Milwaukee's lost two in a row. They have gobbled up the Brewers' lead. And now the, the Redbirds lead the Brewers by two games in the Central and the Dodgers are the hottest team in baseball with the best record in baseball, 75 and 33. They've won eight in a row. And uh, the Padres, with all the um, trade deadline acquisitions, they still trail the Dodgers by 16. 16. Uh, Justin Verlander continues to amaze. He's got 15 wins on the season with a gaudy 1.73 ERA to lead the bigs in both categories. Aaron Judge has 10 more home runs than anybody else in the league. He's got 44. He's on pace to hitting 62 if he can get it done. He got one in the bottom, of, in the top of the ninth last night on the road. First home run in about three or four days games. So uh, the Judge all rise and he leads the bigs with 98 runs batted in as well so our guest list once again matthew bruni all things lsu Corey diaz all things raging cajuns and in the second hour bob rose will join us for the black and gold report all things with the new orleans saints so that's our lineup for the day and speaking of the astros the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles wants to hook you up with our latest astros weekend getaway the red hot strohs take on the baltimore the red hot baltimore orioles should be a great one on saturday august 27th and you can be there register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets a tour of minute maid park and hotel accommodations that saturday night astros weekend getaways powered by butcher ac lay meridian houston downtown and the game southwest louisiana sports station we'll talk all things tigers after this time out you're listening to the Jordy Helpert show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Tigers and the Astros in Southwest Louisiana. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the blonde bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
And we are back at 16 minutes after the hour. Um, before we get to our guest, um, Mike Denbrock, the offensive coordinator of the LSU Tigers, uh, was asked yesterday about quarterback play. What's he looking for? In other words, who's going to get the gig? Here's what he had to say. Number one, we want someone who can run the system of offense that we're putting in. And and it's an adjustable system. So it doesn't and that doesn't mean, hey, well, I remember where coach came from, so that must mean this guy's got a leg up. It doesn't mean that. What what it means more is what's in place for our offensive unit with the skill players that we have and who we have offensively playing to the strengths of that unit. So whoever really commands that the best and and really who kind of takes ownership of the offense. We we're, we're looking for those guys to compete with each other, of course. But we're also looking for those guys to kind of somebody step out in front. Somebody, somebody take the reins of this thing and really kind of be that guy that everybody looks to that upholds the standard of playing quarterback at, at LSU. And uh, so those things in particular, yeah, of course, we don't want somebody who throws interceptions or fumbles a ball around or doesn't know how to check protections. But more than anything, I think, the strength of the unit a lot of times, and especially we're a, a very quarterback-driven system, that guy's got to have command of what we're doing out there. Matthew Bruni, uh, go to four, uh, seven sports, kind enough to join us. Sounds like the same thing we heard um, uh, in the spring, all during the summer, and here we are, five practices in. Today will be number six, and it seems like we're hearing the same thing. First off, Matthew, thank you for your time, but um, well, tell me what you make of that. Well, um, the first thing that comes to mind for me, and obviously w- what we've been able to see from practice has been, you know, kind of rotational type thing. I think Garrett Nussmeyer's gotten a lot of snaps. Um, they've worked Daniels and Brennan in as well. I've been very impressed with Nussmeyer, as I always am, as I was last year with his arm. Um, but when I hear that, it's why has Miles Brennan not been able to do that, right? A guy take mm-hmm. control of the offense. If anything, you would think that would be the sixth-year veteran player that has the most connections to this team, you know, the most connections to this program. Obviously, he has not stepped up and taken the reins, which I think was evident in the spring when they brought in Jaden Daniels, right? So Mm -hmm. none of them – let's just assume he's, you know, being honest and he is sincerely waiting for someone to step up and take the reins. If Brendan has done that by now and if Brendan didn't do that during the spring, I just don't see him being that – guy to really just take over step in and be like this is this is my job he would have done that already so i think it's very open and um i've as you know i've been high on nussmeyer and daniels pretty much this whole summer um Mm -hmm. i I think it's one of those two at this moment all right very good um they put the pads on today and that's when you start to separate the men from the boys bj ogilari met with the media today met with you he said we should be the most dominant front four in the ncaa this year so you're going up against an offensive line that's, that's trying to f- figure out what to, who can play and wh- where they're going to play uh boy that's when you need that quarterback that can can step up step out and, and make some plays with his legs in my opinion yeah, and, and not for nothing, uh, the entire SEC has some studs on the defense line. I did a story looking at the best defensive players from every team LSU plays this year, and there's just so many defensive linemen. Yeah. And Florida State Week 1 has a defensive tackle that's going to be drafted you know, relatively high. Uh, uh, Auburn has a great defensive line. I mean, you go down the list, uh, A&M, you know, it's just 
it offensive line, I, I think there's enough talent there to be a solid unit. But mm-hmm. there are enough question marks to where it's like I need someone that can create when things break down because it's just not realistic to say that this team has enough talent to create, you know, pristine pockets uh, more time uh, every single snap. Matthew Bernie with us. There's so many question marks on this club, and we'll get to the defensive side in just a minute. Let's stick on the offensive side. Has John Emery emerged as the go-to guy um, in in the backfield, or is Noah Kane making some progress? Or where, where, where do you see that heading? Uh, Kane got some good snaps uh, last time we were able to watch practice yesterday. Um, you know, obviously, we're not able to watch as much of the eleven mm-hmm. on the eleven. Really, we're only, it's only really a few minutes as we're leaving. But uh, Payne got some good good reps there. I think they expect him to, to uh, step up. Uh, I think Emory is running back one still at this moment. Um, I think he's going to have that going into the season. I think he's been worked with a lot, worked with Frank Wilson a lot. I think he's going to be really solid. But Payne and then Armani Goodwin is are obviously the other two guys in the room that are on scholarship that you trust. And I think they'll get – a ton of change. So I, I don't look at this as – I definitely look at this as a running back by committee type season for them, which isn't a bad thing as much as people you know want it to be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. We all assume Kayshawn Butte is going to be the number one receiver, obviously, but how has he looked? How is he bouncing back from his injury? Um, you know, you got the Saints with Michael Thomas. Everybody's watching his every move. Uh, very similarly, uh, Kayshawn Butte is so valuable to this offense. How has he looked? Yeah, I wrote a story, I think it was like last week, um, and he talked to us pretty candidly about still being a little bit hesitant of, you know, making those cuts, making, uh, going on those routes that require mm. you to put a lot of pressure on, on a foot that was injured. And he had two injuries on, or he had two surgeries on it. So obviously it's understandable that there's some hesitancy, but we are, what, three weeks out from the season at this point. And um, I, I, I'm, he's 100% physically, obviously, but it's the mental component that all athletes that have been hurt understand you have to learn to trust yourself again. And so that's where it's going to be interesting to see um, if it takes him a game or two to maybe really turn back into the Keishon Boutte that he's been uh, in the wow. past. Man, uh, maybe he needs to call. Maybe Michael Thomas and Keishon need to hook up and talk on the phone and iron this thing out and figure out where to go because they need that kid uh, for sure. Um, All right, on the defensive side, can't keep the defensive backs, which I still believe is the most suspect group just because – yeah, they've got they've got um, uh, a lot of games under their belt, uh, but they left those places for a reason. Now they've got to all blend and mesh. And you know the defensive backs. Uh, how many times under um, a former defensive coordinators, lack of communication just killed LSU. So that chemistry, that communication, so important. And they've got guys banged up left and right, don't they? It's. It was, yeah, Demarius McGee left practice on the first day, and then um, a Jerick Bernard Converse wasn't there yesterday, but I'm, I'm hearing that that wasn't uh, an injury, injury related. So uh, yeah. the hope is to get him back. Seven Banks is still working his way back to 100%. Uh, obviously, he had the hip injury last year with Ohio State that really hampered him. So the hope is yeah. to get him back in the rotation at 100%. Uh, it's, definitely, it's definitely a concern. I mean, the corners specifically. 
Uh, Makai Gardner has been the one solid guy throughout spring, throughout fall, that you're like, all right, he's not injured. He looks really solid. Physically, he's ready. You feel good about him. Um, you need to see Jarek Bernard Converse out there practice every day. You need seven banks to get uh, to 100%, and then you just, you know, got to fill in some other ones. Uh, Jordan's holes also, I believe, missed practice yesterday. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a group where you're going to need some consistency from it. Uh, and I, I agree with you. It's definitely one of, if not the most um, – Biggest uh, question mark, I guess, going into the year. Yeah, it's just the way the game is played now. Now, of course, the biggest help for them would be this dominant front four. If they can be the dominant group that they're professing to be and affect the quarterback uh, in in numerous times, then then the secondary will be just fine. I'm really curious. I don't know if you've had a chance to see, but, man, the kicking game. Where does LSU stand Punting, uh, field goals, kickoffs. Have you seen any of that? Uh, seen it? No. But we did talk to Jay Brambler today, the transfer punter into Notre Dame uh, that started at Notre Dame, I believe, the last two years. Yeah. Um, he was very excited for this opportunity. He's from Alabama, so going up to Notre Dame was kind of a, you know, weather, uh, as far as the weather goes, just a shock for him. So he's back. Right. glad to be back. He was very good at Notre Dame. Uh, we expect him to be the starter. Peyton Todd, uh, who they recruited, who was a freshman last year, um, should also be capable if he needs to step in. But I think it's Bramless job as the punter. Uh, and then kicker, I, I think I said before, Nathan Diver is expected to be the one. Uh, they have a couple other, you know, walk-on guys that, you know, are technically competing. But Nathan Diver should be the one with the job. Left-footed kicker, great power. Talk to Bramlett about him today because Bramlett will be the holder as well as the punter. Oh, so uh, okay. working with them has been interesting. And he said Hybrid's definitely mature, more uh, physically mature than, than most freshman kickers are. I can actually, Matthew Bernie, go to four seven sports. You get to go and watch a scrimmage on Thursday. That's kind of unheard of in these neck of the woods forever and a day. As long as I've been around, I've I've never heard of such a thing. And that's the first of two that you get to watch. I was told that yesterday's practice, when Mike Denbrock said, "All right, let's get the ones out there," the first quarterback out on the field was. Jaden Daniels, who I've gone on and I've said, I think that's who the guy is going to be. I just don't understand how a guy would leave where he was to come here to sit on the bench. That's just me. I may be totally, totally wrong, but that's my thoughts. Uh, They keep talking about working with his footwork. Have you seen that? And what are they trying to get him to do that he's not doing already? Well, uh, we saw during the spring start or uh, when he got here, it felt like the first thing when we talked to Joe Sloan about it was, was his feet. And so I think there are just times where if you watch his film from Arizona State, he gets kind of happy feet, you know, and whenever okay. you get those kind of – whenever you're uncertain with your feet, the, de- the delivery of your throw is just off. Your accuracy is off. So that's what Dem Brock gotcha. said as well was we're trying to clean up his accuracy through his feet, basically, because the mechanics on the upper body are pretty much fine. It's just being able to settle your feet and make those, you know, throws you watch it. Tom Brady, et cetera, go down the list. And their feet are just always in the right spot and making the throw. And that's what I think is Daniels just has to clean up a little bit more because if he can deliver the ball downfield effectively, and I, I'm, I'm actually decently high on him as a passer, but if he can clean up the mechanics and become that type of guy as a passer, I think it's his job. Uh, my, my concern, obviously, is is he ready to do that at this point? And uh, to go back real quickly, um, yeah. Daniels did go out there – 
Tech did go out there with the first unit first. It was kind of like the entire offense, like the offensive line was more so the first unit out there because then the receivers and quarterbacks kind of all rotated in and out with the first gotcha. unit. And then when they said second unit, the whole offensive line shifted. So that's a, and that was interesting as well to see the offensive line. Still trying to figure out who uh, uh, kind of a plug and play thing is. Is it um, the freshman um, who basically has locked down the left tackle spot, and then everything else is kind of up for grabs? Is that what you uh, uh, observe from here and now? That's that's what it's looking like. Uh, Will Campbell at left tackle. Uh, Tremont Schwartz has stayed steady at left guard, transferring from East Tennessee State, FCS All American. Mm -hmm. So those yeah. two have locked down the left side pretty much. I haven't seen any movement over there. It's the right side that having a lot more competition. Um, you know, Cam Wire ran with the twos yesterday. So you had Miles Frazier, the, the transfer guard, at, at right guard. And then at right tackle, they had Anthony Bradford, who I know some fans are still hesitant on but because he's so big. But Anthony Bradford at right tackle has been getting first-team reps. And at center, uh, uh, Dellinger, uh, Gary Dellinger has been getting some first team reps there. They're trying to get him comfortable there. I'm just, I need to see it because he did have a snap that went into Nussmeyer's shins that kind of was not great to look at, but he is probably the best pure blocker of the interior lineman. Well, the pads come on, and the first scrimmage will dictate an awful, awful lot. Decisions have to be made. We're getting really close to this thing, and you got to start giving these offensive players uh, reps and reps so the so the chemistry and the continuity all works together. I I, I think you're going to start seeing some some headway. I think Thursday will be very pivotal along those lines, and you'll be there to watch it all and to report it all for Go Two Four Seven Sports. So Matthew Bruni. Uh, you having fun? I mean, is it is is this camp different than the camps you've seen before? It is. Um, how do I how do I describe it? I, I don't know how to describe because it, it is me also getting used to watching Brian Kelly kind of interact with players as well and getting to know this new staff. So it is it is different, but it's, mm-hmm. it's nothing else. Just from the amount of transfers and new faces yeah. and competition. Yeah. I mean, across the board, you you look really. There's what the only positions that are locked in are defensive line and like receiver. But even at receiver, Besh and uh, Chris Hilton have been out, so we got to yep. see them come back. So there's just question marks in a lot of places. Everywhere. Not saying they're not there's not talent, but got to see it a little bit more. See it come together. I'm with you. Matthew, thank you so much as always. Greatly appreciate your time and your your insight. Uh, terrific job as always, buddy. Thank you. Yes, no problem. Appreciate it. All right, Matthew Bruni, go to 47 Sports with the latest on the Tigers. We'll take a quick time out here when we come back. The very latest on the Cajuns, Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser. He's been watching the Coach Dez show, and uh, we'll have his report as we are deep in the throes of football season here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hey, we are back at 36 minutes after the hour. Time to 
talk about the raging Cajuns as the Michael Desimo era has begun and they get closer and closer to their opening matchup. But of course, um, all eyes are watching uh, the most important position on the on the field, and that's the battle for starting quarterback between Chandler Fields and Ben Woolridge. Um, Coach Des was asked about the quarterback position and the the effect of being able to run at that position. Listen to what he said. You know, you saw kind of how we really evolved last year, I guess, a little bit with Levi towards the end of the year, and we started using him in the run game. Um, I just think in today's game, you know, you get a plus one on offense when, when you use the quarterback in that way. And, you know, I certainly don't want to have the guys carrying the ball 20 times a game, you know, but I think when you sprinkle those things in, you have them as part of the game plan. Um, I think it's a whole nother level, a whole nother layer that the defense has to prepare for. And, you know, if you get one or two good explosive runs a game out of the quarterback, what's well, worth it. And the, other, the defense, they've spent a whole week worrying about it, preparing for it. So um, I think the threat of it probably is as much of a benefit as actually doing it, you know. Corey Diaz covers the Cajuns for the Daily Advertiser, and he's kind enough to join us. Corey, thank you, man. It's great to have you aboard. How are you? Jordy, man, I'm, I'm doing great. Appreciate you guys having me on this afternoon. How are you guys doing? Everything going good? Everything's going good. So you heard about a couple of explosive plays here and there out of the quarterback position. So who's the better runner, Chandler Fields or Ben Woolridge? <laughs> Uh, it seems like right now, Jordy, um, every single day, it's dependent on who you ask. Uh, it's dependent on, you know, where where everyone stands. Because it, it's, it's literally every aspect of this battle between Chandler Fields and Ben Woolridge right now seems to be just flipping and flopping <laughs> minute to minute almost. And I know that sounds like an exaggeration, but it, it's, it's kind of true. Um, I think if you were to ask Des right now uh, who would be the starter uh, in game one, he might would tell you Chandler, and then you'd wait five minutes and ask him, he probably would tell you Ben. Uh, I think that's how close uh, these two guys are as it pertains to who is going to ultimately win this job. Um, now, there's, you know, from my, from my conversations with Ben himself, with Chandler himself, obviously with 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 Des and, and with other players, uh, offensive and defensive players, um, you know, I, I think there's a slight edge as it pertains to whether it's tuck and running or design run plays, maybe just the slightest of edges to Wood Woolridge over Fields. But, um, you know, I think there's also the slightest of ever edges as it pertains to throwing the ball to fields so it's that's how close this thing is man is that okay. it's literally razor thin um and if if one of these guys just has a a practice where they're not quite performing up to the to the standard of which the other guy's performing that particular day that potentially could be all that sets these two guys apart yeah Okay, very good. Um, Corey Diaz from the Daily Advertiser. How are things? Um, I know you're new to the beat, but you've you've asked around a bunch. How are things different, or are they all basically the same since Coach Dez was under Napier for several years, but Billy's gone, Dez, it's his turn now, and you like to kind of do things your way. What are the players saying about the difference from last year to this year and the way things are being handled and operated? Sure, yeah, I think 
I, I think the biggest difference between uh, you know Billy and, and how he operated and, and did things versus how how Michael's come on and and um, you know sort of run the day to day as the head coach. It, when you talk to the players, the the biggest difference that they feel and experience is is more off the field. You know, I think it's. You know, yeah, they come into the whether it's you know time for them to come into the weight room and and get get some lifting and conditioning done, or you know mm-hmm. while they're in their position meeting rooms or what have you. That's that's kind of where the vibe has sort of changed within the within the UL football program up to this point is that they they've all expressed to me that things are a little more relaxed, and, and I'm sure Jordy, you've probably have been around Napier and and, and had him on yeah. your show a time or two and, and talked to yeah. him and. Look, he, and and to his credit, he is a he is a football guy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously a a you know a branch off the Nick Saban tree, of course. But that guy, he's he's uh, he's fanatical as it, as it, when it comes to to college football. He's a fanatical as it pertains to how he wants to to operate his football program and how he approaches. Um, I don't think Desimo is quite to that level as as Billy was. Now I, I know I know Des loves the game of football, and I know he loves being at UL, where obviously he played football and was a quarterback and a running back, and and these other positions that he played during his time, at, you know, with the school. Um, I know he's loving back being with his alma mater as the head coach. Um, but he expressed to me when I talked to him a couple of weeks ago at Sunbelt Media Days in New Orleans that you know one of his goals was to it, just to kind of have the players feel a little more at ease, feel a little more relaxed. He, he wanted his guys to come in when they walk into the building every single day to know it's going to be a fun day and, and to want them to walk in there knowing that they can have fun and that's okay. You know, they can have mm-hmm. fun and win too. That's what Andre Jones told me at media days as well. You know, he, he said that, you know, Billy was mostly all business all the time, but with, but with Des, you know, at the helm, it's, you know, it's this thing where we're going to continue to work just as hard as we've been working the last four years as we did under Napier, but we're going to have more fun doing it. We're going to win, but we're also going to have fun while winning. And I think that's been the biggest thing that for these players. And, and I think when you're out there at practice, and, and again, when I've been able to, to spend some time with these players up to this point, I think, you know, when you ask them these questions, you know, they kind of smile about it because I, I think, you know, for 18 to 22, 23-year-old kids now, you know, they – yeah, they 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 want to approach it as a pro, but they also want to have fun while doing it. And I think there's there's Absolutely. more opportunity for them to to be able to come in and, and make sense some more fun with football now. No, that's great, and and winning makes it a lot more fun. Is it? I know they're going to say that the expectations are to follow up what they did a year ago. Um, and that's some big shoes to fill. The conference has gotten bigger. They got some, some pretty good teams that have come on board. Um, what should the expectations be for this team? What's realistic? Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a good question, Jordy. And that's something that, you know, I, I've honestly myself have kind of waffled on, you know, I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I thought initially, you know, this team, yeah, I think it's probably at the top of the Western division. Um, I think it's, I think a realistic goal for this team should be a divisional championship. Um, now to your point though, right. To, you know, you're going from saying actually winning the conference, right. And, and trying to mirror that 
I just think the East Division right now, you know, at the top, you know, with with Appalachian State, um, I think Marshall. I know it's its first year in the Sun Belt. Marshall is going to be really good this year. Um, and I, in fact, I would say Marshall is probably going to contend with that state. You know, when they play each other this year, that's probably going to be the game to watch on the east mm-hmm. side. You know, they've they've added these schools. I, I don't think, I don't think James Madison is going to struggle as much as a lot of people think they will with the jump from FCS to FBS. I think I think James Madison has been operating like an FBS program for several years now. Okay. And I don't think that that gap was as wide as a lot of people think. I think James Madison's going to be good in his first year in this league. I, it's it's a much tougher league, I think, from top to bottom in no yes. both sides. You know, you move, you move Troy over to the west side now, and I think Troy's going to be a really good football team too, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think they arguably might have the best defense in the league. And so when you when you play these, especially these divisional games, you know, when you look at UL, to, to in order to get themselves back in a chance to play for that conference championship game, they're going to have to win, you know, they're going to have to win against Troy. You know, they're going to have to win, and South Alabama's going to be a really good football team this year, too. They're going to have to win against these teams in order to get themselves back there. Um, Now, do I think they're a double-digit win team? That's, to me, that's kind of where they are. You know, if I was Vegas, I might would set the win total at nine and a half, you know, and kind of have to make you choose, is this going to be a 10-win team or is it going to be a nine-win team? I think that's where this team is. Now, I do think that's good enough to win the West, but there's a couple of games in there that that could tilt it one way or the other for them. We we always talk about strengths of a team, Corey Diaz, uh, the Daily Advertiser. And last year you had a veteran quarterback back. You had a really solid offensive line. UL's always been able to run the football, and the defense played terrific. Uh, If I asked you right now what area of concern out of those units – um, what what concerns you the most uh, at this point in time with the season looming not in the very long distant future? What 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 area concerns you the most? Yeah, yeah, and that's a good question too, Jordy. Uh, I, it's weird because you know part of me wants to say the quarterback spot, and that's not okay. and that's, that's not fair. to say. I'm sorry. That's fair. I mean, it's the most important position on the field. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, and and it's not. And, I, and I, when I say that, of course, I, I don't mean that as to say they don't have you know a guy on their roster that can go out and win games because I think they do. I think they have two guys that can go out there and win football games. But my my concern is is that if this competition during fall camp and into actual you know two weeks out from the first game is when you know. Desimo told me a couple of weeks ago at Media Days that he wants to kind of nail down who that starter is going to be because you, then you have to switch over to basically getting ready for game mode. you got to get, right. get these guys ready. you got to get the whole offense ready to, to game plan for these games coming up. Um, if you're not settled on a guy, you know, two weeks from now, um, I mean, how much longer does this thing go, you know, yeah. and how much does that prevent, you know, the 11 on offense? From, from developing that, that chemistry and that gel, no that question. gelling and that cohesion that you have to have to operate the offense the most efficiently that you can operate it. And so, um, again, it, it's not, it's not, that's not to say Woolridge, Northfields can't win games, but I am concerned that if this thing doesn't sort itself out uh, within the next couple of weeks, it, 
could end up being more of a hindrance than a help for this football team, especially, again, you're talking about Desimo taking over and it's his first year. You know, first year is always a really important time, you know, almost as important as that second year, mm-hmm. right, with guys coming, you know, the coaches get their get a little more of their own recruits in and, and start shaping the team how they want to shape it. But, you know, when you, when you have a quarterback battle that's, that's obviously as, as evenly matched as this, uh, you really need one of these guys to emerge uh, from the fold here really, really quickly. Yeah, 25 days away before southeastern Louisiana comes to Cajun Field on September the 3rd for a 6 o'clock kickoff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. UL got that situation. LSU's got that situation. There's a whole bunch of teams out there with situations like this, and I'm sure the coaches are all going, please, somebody step up, please, and the sooner the better, <laughs> please. Um, any stars on this team? I know Chris Smith is, is pretty good at the running back position. Is there anybody else that's really standing out and you're going okay this guy's got a shot at the next level yeah sure um i i, I think i think the tight end position um for for ul this year is going to be uh okay. something that i think that they can utilize you know again because you're talking about you know whomever the, whoever the starting quarterback is going to be is is really going to be getting significant playing time you know, for the first time in their careers, you know, at UL. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you could easily say, you know, Lumpkin at tight end, you know, is a guy that could end up being a security blanket, you know, especially in the past game for a new starting quarterback, you know. And, uh, I mean, they, you know, he, he's got the measurements, you know, he's got the measurables to be an NFL tight end. You know, he's talked about, you know, just wanting to get a little bit better, you know, in the blocking game and, and being a little more, you know, again, involved in that passing game and being more of a, you know, a target and more of a threat. You know, he's a guy that I think could end up being one of the more utilized and effective weapons, you know, in this offense this year. And and you mentioned Jordy. I mean, you know, Chris Smith, you know, he, he's got, you know, he's got all the makings of, um, you know, he could easily be an, an NFL scat, uh, scat back, you know, with his mm-hmm. size and his bursts, um, you know, and then defensively, um, you know, you got a couple of guys, you know, obviously Garter at, at, at corner um, is a guy that I think is, is really, really primed to just have a, a monster season, um, you know, and, and he's lining up against the Michael Jeffersons, you know, every day at practice, who I also think is, could, could easily be a star this year for the Cajuns as well. I mean, you know, big, big playability of this guy, you know, he's, he's, you know, six foot three, you know, over 200 pounds. I mean, he's, he's, well on his way to becoming a you know a potential NFL wide receiver himself and, and okay. so you're basically getting NFL caliber reps when you're lining up Gar versus Jefferson in practice every day and you know yeah. uh, I I hate the cliche of iron sharpens iron you know I really really hate that you <laughs> know, I'm a true. writer so I stay away from cliches as much as I possibly can but I think when you look at those two guys it, it kind of rings true for them because I think they're both NFL caliber players and them having to match up you know, across from each other, you know, 15 to 20 times a day during practice is only going to make each other better. And so, um, you know, those are just some of the guys right at the top of my head, Jory, that I would say, you know, these are kind of the the three or four or five names to watch. All right. Uh, Corey Diaz, a daily advertiser, non-cliched Corey uh, Diaz. (laughs) And and that's awesome. Terrific job, man. We got to do this once a week. So plan on it. And I'm going to be giving you a holler and we'll set up a day and a time that works best for you. But I greatly appreciate your coverage of the Cajuns. And I know our audience does as well. Terrific job, man. Thank you. 
Yeah, appreciate you guys. Yeah, man, just um, I'm available anytime for you, man. So just give me a call. Right. Love to help. You got it. Thank you, Corey Diaz, uh, with the latest on the Cajuns. We'll take our final time out of hour number one. We'll come back and wrap it up, set the stage for hour number two here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's your home for the Houston Astros, who, by the way, uh, take on the Texas Rangers tonight at Mid May Park. First pick set for 7, 10 p.m., and it's here on the game. And we'll be back. You just heard that, and, and RP3 is right, but that's why you really, really appreciate the Steph Currys of the world that don't cause any issues, don't cause any problems. They just play the game. They just play the game. And I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping against hope that this young Pelicans team can fall in line along those lines because there's a lot of potential there to do really, really good. Of course, they got to stay uh, healthy. Did you know the Arnoville Volunteer Fire Department? is hosting a black pot cook-off on Saturday, September the 10th. Cooking begins at 8 a.m. The eating will start at noon at the Flower Auditorium in Arnoville. There'll be uh, plenty of live music um, and so much more. Uh, for more information, visit www.arnoldvillefire.org. A-R-N-A-U-D-V-I-L-L-E, fire, all one word, dot or we'll talk a lot about the Saints in hour number two with Bob Rose, the Black and Gold Reporter, as we roll on on a uh, very good Tuesday, August 9th, the year 2022. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Hour number two, straight ahead. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go on this uh, Tuesday, August 9th, the year 2022. Hope you're having a spectacular day. If you missed our number one, well, you missed a lot. We got you caught up to speed on the LSU Tigers with Matthew Bruni. Tigers are full pads today for the first time, uh, prepping for a major scrimmage on Thursday. We talked with uh, Corey Diaz, who covers the Rage and Cajuns. They've got a tight quarterback battle there as well as they're getting ready for uh, their season opener about 25 days away from now when southeastern Louisiana the Lions come to Cajun Field uh, so you've got all that you have uh, you can go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com a little bit down the road check out the Jordan Helpberg show on demand you can pull those interviews up we've got Bob Rose of the Saints News Network coming up for his normal Tuesday spot as we go all in in with the Saints and the NFL. So LSU has a tough opener uh, with Florida State in the uh, Caesars Superdome on that uh, Labor Day Sunday. The Cajuns have to take on uh, the Southeastern Lions and the Lions in the FBS preseason poll coming in at number 17. But the toughest matchup of all are the McNeese State Cowboys who who have to uh, travel to Bozeman, Montana and playing Bobcat Stadium against Montana State, a perennial power in the FBS. And Montana State in the preseason bowl ranked number 
four. So the work is cut out for Coach Gary Goff and his cowpokes. Here's uh, the coach. They have to replace a quarterback. They've been their starter for three years. Here's uh, Coach Gary Goff on the quarterback room at McNeese. Gosh, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, uh, they're kind of day-to-day right now. I think Knox is going to start with some light throwing tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's our first off day, so we'll throw some. And then uh, we're hoping to get Cam in there to get uh, somebody to look at his back and uh, get some good news this week. But uh, we need – I mean, Walker's doing a good job, and Ryan Roberts doing a good job too. But uh, I like to have that room healthy so we can have a real competition right now. All right. Uh, we got to get that ambient sound out of there um, uh, somehow, some way. They had their first full day with pads. Um, that's uh, always a um, a telltale sign of things to come. Here's the coach with his thoughts on that. Oh, a little strain, a little struggle today. It's pretty hot out here. We had a heat ball break on the turf. Grass fields are too muddy right now, but a lot of adversity, which is good. We need that right now. And these breaks we had to take this morning, it's kind of like coming out of a halftime. So we simulated that just a little bit. Talked about dominating the eight. That's the first four or last four minutes of the first half, the first four minutes of the second half. Um, you know, it by no means was it great or clean, but that's why we're in camp and we'll watch film tonight and make some corrections. There you go. So open up at Montana State, then go the next Saturday at Rice. The home opener will be September 17th as Alcorn comes to Cowboy Stadium in Lake Charles, followed by Mississippi colleagues. They get into league play with always tough incarnate word, and that will be in San Antonio at Gail and Tom Benson Stadium, by by golly. So we wish the Cowpokes uh, all the very, very best um, as they get ready for, for their season. Of course, we'll he- be here to cover it all for you throughout the course of, uh, of the season. Um, I, I did mention uh, LSU, and, uh, you know, once again, it's the, it's the quarterback room. Um, we, we listened to uh, Mike Denbrock, the offensive coordinator, about all of that um, earlier on. Um, and, and, you know, you just got to look, somebody's going to separate themselves. And from what I am garnering right here, right now, it seems like Miles Brennan is on the outside looking in as of right here, right now. Uh, they haven't had a scrimmage. They haven't had pads on. We'll see once that starts to happen. But right now, it looks like Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer are ahead of Miles Brennan. Scrimmage Thursday will um, will talk, tell an awful, awful lot about um, where this battle is going and if uh james if you can get up the the denbrock uh sound um a a quarterback needs everything to work everything uh and it all starts with the offensive line you gotta win up front uh denbrock not you know is in charge of everything he oversees everything on the offense so um with so many interchangeable parts will campbell seems to be the guy that has got a lot uh, a starting spot locked down at left tackle and after that it seems like interchangeable parts moving here moving there trying to do what they can here is mike denbrock and his assessment after five practices six today his assessment of the offensive line Comfortable with who's running with the ones and twos. It, it, it's in flux. 
I guess I guess is we're still I think in the um, identification phase of who are the best five guys actually going to be. There's some moving around, some moving parts here and there. We've got a couple guys obviously that we didn't have in the spring that need to be evaluated. Whether that's a young guy or a veteran that's been here that's kind of back in the fray, we've got to get a feel for how they fit with the other pieces of the puzzle up there. Who's the guards? Who's the tackles? Who's the center? Quite frankly, in and just dig through that some more. So, you know, five practices into it. I don't know that we're ready to kind of solidify everything we want to have solidified there, but within the next week or so, we'll be a lot closer. We've always known that Brian Kelly believes in tight ends. He's come out and said, we're going to have a tight end on the field on every play. It may not be the greatest position on the field at this point in time. Maybe it's growing. Maybe it's getting better day by day. Um, Mike Denbrock talked about the role that the tight ends will have this year. It's up to them. So, uh, you know, roles within offenses are earned by consistent play um, and playing to the standard that's necessary to be successful. So they have as much opportunity as any of the wide receivers or any of the running backs or anybody else to earn themselves a role within our offense. What I've seen from them is some pretty dramatic improvement from where we were in the spring. And I think it's, a, it's an ongoing process, of course, but we're not where we need to be. But I think there's, there's an opportunity there with a mix of personnel to have some guys at that position in particular that can can help boost this offense to another level. Is it Cole Taylor? Well, time will tell. All right, Coach Denbrock, quit doing all the coach speak. Tell, let's talk about this offense. Five days in, you've had the spring, you've seen the summer workouts, now you're on the field getting ready for a scrimmage on Thursday. Tell me, is the offense looking good, or what do you think? Offensively, we are making really, really good progress. And uh, I was really happy, especially today, with, with kind of the stride that we made with our consistency. And that's really the battle at this time of year, uh, only five practices in. There aren't a whole lot of answers yet, but you can see things starting to kind of take shape a little bit as to you know, the positive direction that, that this group as a unit is going. We continue to... Uh, coach and demand uh, their maximum effort at all times on the football field and they for the most part they've given us that I think it's it's a learned skill I don't think you inherently uh, are just always a football player that knows how to play hard or, or the type of grit that it takes to be successful at what you're doing uh, sometimes you have to be shown and taught and and continue as a skill that gets developed over time and we've gotten better and better at that but we need to continue uh, to build that. And, and really it comes down to what we're trying to build with our unit as much as anything is the trust, love, and respect amongst each other in that locker room. And what that leads to is a cohesion that's unbreakable. And we want to be unbreakable as an offensive unit. We want to be resilient uh, when, when times are tough, and we want to be resilient when times are good um, so that we can kind of next play mentality ourselves into being the type of offense that we want to be. Sounds like a head coach to me. I like him. Mike Denbrock with the latest on LSU again. Um, pads today, 
Uh, the grind continues. Thursday is a huge, huge day uh, as scrimmage number one. And the media will be allowed to be there. And we'll have a full recap of, of it for you on Friday. The big news uh, nationally, Serena Williams announced her retirement plans. Um, pro career began when she was 14. She's won 23 Grand Slam titles. Um, she does plan to play in the 2022 U.S. Open, which starts Starts later this month, and then that's going to be all she wrote. So, um, one of the greatest, no question about it. She um, took the she listened to Tiger Woods. She was ready to hang it up. Injuries and all this, children, and uh, you know her, her focus has obviously changed in a different direction. And uh, there you go. She said, if I had to choose between building my tennis resume and building my family, she said, I choose the latter. They have a um, five-year-old daughter, Olympia, and they plan on growing their family soon. So that's terrific. She's 40 years old. You can tell she, I watched some of her match last night, the first match she'd won in quite some time. It's just father time wins all the time. All the time. She broke on to the professional scene in 1995, as I said, as a 14-year-old. Since then, she's won the Australian Open seven times, Wimbledon seven times, the U.S. Open six times, and the French Open three times. 23 Grand Slam singles titles to her name, the most by any player in the Open era. Only person with more Grand Slams titles is Margaret Court, who has 24, a mark that Williams has been a attempting to tie ever since she won the 2017 Australian Open, uh, but to no avail at this point and time. So there's uh, some of the headlines of the day, and you're up to the minute with the Cowboys, the Tigers, the Cajuns. When we return, we're going to give you the very latest on the New Orleans Saints, as Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us for the Black and Gold Report. But first, the, the Astros with a sizable double-digit lead in the AL Central. Um, well, the, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up. It's our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Strohs take on the Baltimore Orioles, who are fighting for a wild-card spot in the American League. Who'd have thunk that when the season started? Boy, they turned their season around. And that game's going to be on Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game southwest louisiana sports station we'll be back bob rose talking saints here on the jordy helper show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake it's time for jordy to march into some new orleans saints talk with saints news network's bob rose here is the black and gold report with bob rose here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station uh, it means it's a tuesday that means it's around 318 and bob rose i think he is back from his um anniversary trip to the beach but he joins us now from some point i'll know as soon as he pops up bob good afternoon 
Good afternoon, Jordy. And yes, unfortunately, <laughs> we did come back. Uh, I, I, I like my scenery a lot better last week than I do today. Uh, but it's always great to join you on a Tuesday. You make my week, partner. Uh, same here, buddy. I greatly appreciate your time. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to play you some sound bites from Dennis Allen, from Jarvis Landry, from Cam Jordan. And I want to get your um, opinion of what was said, and we'll banter back and forth. First off, um, the big story of the day, Jameis Winston. Here's Dennis Allen uh, talking about what happened to the Saints starting quarterback. Jameis went in today, with, uh, kind of tweaked his foot a little bit. He went in for some evaluation. I don't have any update on that, but it was kind of rolling out. I think it was in the seven-on-seven seven period that kind of felt it tweak a little bit, and, and so we wanted to go in and get him evaluated. We know now that it's a kind of a sprained foot, and they're, they're going to hold him out from the preseason game number one against Houston. Your thoughts, Robert? Uh, it, it's not surprising whatsoever. Uh, you know what? If it if this were last year at this time or any other year during Sean Payton's tenure and Sean Payton said those words, uh, I'd, I'd be extremely worried for Jameis Winston's well-being. Uh, but I don't think there's any reading between the lines here with Dennis Allen. He's telling you know, – if you are going to take a message between the lines, it is this. Saints fans, don't panic. Uh, we're taking a precaution with Jameis Winston. Right. He was probably only going to play a series or two anyway. Uh, he's been looking uh, sharp in camp, and we're just resting him out of precaution uh, because we don't want to worsen an injury, uh, a, a moderate injury, uh, that there's nothing to be worried about uh, currently. Another player who was injured early in camp and is back now, and it's a guy that I've been raving about because it's a new position for Taysom Hill. I think he'll be dynamic. We shall see. Here's Dennis Allen talking about how Taysom Hill is looking. Listen to this. Look, he was back out there today for a little bit of, um, you know, walk through individual routes on air. Uh, we'll begin to kind of ramp him up a little bit. You know, I think he was excited about being back out there a little bit today, and, and certainly we were excited about having him out there. So, Bob, they say uh, routes on air. I guess that means nobody's covering him. He's just out right. there running freely. But uh, your thoughts on, on Taysom Hill and his ability to make the switch to the tight end position? Uh, man, man, I love I love this game. I love Coach Speak. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that, that's Dennis Allen telling us, uh, yeah, Saints fans, be patient. Uh, yeah, he's coming along. We have a plan for him, uh, but he's not there quite yet. Uh, but if you're again, if you're reading between the lines, he's also saying, you yeah, know, rest of the NFL, watch out because uh, yeah, I think he's saying we have a plan for Taysom Hill uh, yeah, and you know, running air and uh, running routes against air and in space. That's what the, that's how they're going to utilize him most often this year. Uh, and you know, it's just great to have Taysom back onto the field. Uh, and that's what Dennis Allen was saying, too, uh, where they could progress with him for this position switch and get him ready for the season opener. All right. So that's coach speak. I always like to hear players as well. So Cam mm -hmm. Jordan, who's always candid in his approach, uh, was asked about Trevor Penning, the first round draft pick who, he, who has to block Cam Jordan every now and then has to block Marcus Davenport and others. Here's Cam, the vet on the rookie. He's a solid, well ahead of the curve rookie uh, offensive lineman. You know, and I think in his mind, he's a mauler, which is, is solid. A mindset to have, I guess, you know, 
they're probably like I'm, – I'm, I'm always hard-pressed to give an awesome offensive lineman a, a compliment, so I'm trying here. I think that he's got room to grow in terms of pocket, you know, pocket pro, but I think with our edge, he's, he's definitely going to be raised to the bar quite quickly. All right. Um, Bob, that, that tells me that Cam Jordan's going, um, we're, going we're not taking any slack. We're, we're going to come hard at you, and either you sink or you swim. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, that's exactly what Cam's saying. Uh, and that little pause in there when he uh, just before he said, I guess, uh, that's also him saying, I, you know, Trevor's ticked me off a couple of times, yeah. uh, but I'm glad to have him on our side. Uh, and I, I, I did laugh out loud when he said, look, I'm hard pressed to give any compliments to any offensive lineman. Uh, but I think Cam is telling us that he sees some potential here. Uh, and uh, he's he, uh, among everybody else who should be, uh, hedging their bets uh, until they get into live game action. Uh, and uh, Trevor's going against teams with different colored helmets mm-hmm. to see if he keeps up that intensity. Uh, but, you know, you know, Cam, a player like Cam Jordan has got to love the intensity, even if he has to go against it in practice. Uh, and uh, it, I, again, you know, Cam has traditionally been one of those vets. He's first in line to help out a rookie, be it an offensive player or a defensive player. I've True. seen it myself firsthand in many a training camp. Uh, and you know, Cam is going to be there to help Trevor uh, if Trevor needs the help. Uh, and you know, I, I, just like everybody else, I'm looking forward to Penny's first game uh, uh, on Saturday against the Houston Texans. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Here's one more from Cam Jordan. Um, uh, the defense has to carry the weight till this offense gets uh, settled in, um, I believe. He's talking about all the effort that he has seen uh, during the start of this training camp. Doesn't everybody go hard? If you see Mike T, have you ever seen Mike T give a 50% rep? Have you ever seen me go through a walkthrough speed in, in a real practice? We don't, we don't do anything but give our hearts out on our practice field because we know it's game time translatable. Um, in terms of what AK is, he makes amazing cuts. He has phenomenal body presence. He, his balance is next world. And you see it day in, day out. So when I see it on game day, I know exactly where it came from. The same hits that he takes in practice, the same way he's able to bounce, leverage, whatever it is, you see those practice. Practice makes perfect, and that's what we're trying to do. We're striving to be perfect. Love that. that that's the leader. That's mm-hmm. Cam Jordan. That's what makes him so valuable, right? Absolutely so. Uh, and that's also a veteran saying, look, of course, we're going to go 100% in practice every single day. Uh, you know, we're fighting for our jobs. We're fighting for our livelihood. We're fighting for that championship ring. Uh, and, you know, that, that sounds like a guy that's, uh, you know, getting a little bit chippy in camp uh, and can't wait to line up against somebody else in a different color uniform. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he, he's spelling it the way it is. Uh, you know, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, these guys, you know, Cam Jordan himself, uh Nobody needs to worry about these guys. These guys know what need to be done. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're consummate professionals, and they're going to be ready to go when the whistle blows for real because they practice like it's real time every single time they step out onto the football field. And you know, if you've ever been to a Saints training camp, you know by watching this guy's that is a fact. No question. Uh, that's a defensive guy talking smack, talking a little bit. Now let's go on the offensive side and uh, a new acquisition, uh, an LSU Tiger, Jarvis Juice Landry. Um, that slack guy, he's talking about, uh, you know, you've been in Cleveland all these years. Now you're in a new system with new coaches. He talks about getting this offense down pat. 
Yeah, you know what? It's turning around. It was pretty hectic for me. You know, this offense is a, is, is a lot of 16 years of a lot of different things, you know? So trying to learn it and then go out there and, and play fast was challenging at first, but I think the tides are turning and, you know, I'm getting the hang of it and the concepts and things like that a little bit more so I can play a little faster and make more plays. Yeah, he gets open and he makes catches. All right, here's one receiver talking about another one. Jarvis was asked, what makes Michael Thomas so darn special? Yeah, we start with the special part. I think I think um, for him, just the way that he controls his body, the physical nature that he that he possesses, I think he really plays the game like like a bullet, you know. And that's something that he's embraced, I think, you know. And one thing I realize and and I admire about him is you know his worth ethic. You know, he's a guy that is here every day, making sure he's taking care of his body. And he's on a little program right now, but even when he's out there, you know, he's giving it everything he's got. He's still making contact catches when I'm sure a coach doesn't want him to be touched at all, you know, and he's still going up, making contact catches, doing one-on-ones, you know, and that's something that, that I've seen that, you know, is just shows his greatness. Uh, Bob, your thoughts, Michael Thomas, according to all the reports, he's uh, he doesn't seem to be favoring anything. His mind is right about his injury and he's going full speed. And um, when he's when he's right, boy, this Saints offense is a heck of a lot better. Absolutely, Jordy. Uh, When Michael Thomas is right, there's no better receiver I'd want on my team in the NFL. Uh, And I'm really excited about this receiving core because you could just tell by the things that Jarvis was saying and by the things Michael Thomas has been saying uh, in in his post-practice interviews, this is a unit that's really going to challenge each other this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've spoken in glowing reviews about Chris Olave as well, especially uh, Mike Thomas has. Uh, And and to, to hear Jarvis say uh, what he did about this offense over the last 16 years. That tells us that they're carrying a lot of the concepts. Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator, is carrying a lot of these Sean Payton concepts uh, and complexities in this offense despite the newcomers and it's up to the newcomers like Landry like Alave it's up to them to get up to speed for this offense to be effective and for them to see the field at all that's why I think that yeah and you know the thing I love about Sean Payton's offense it always challenged you mentally as well as physically and I expect this offense to be very much the same way uh and you know Jarvis just like we talked about you know with Cam and others before Jarvis is the consummate pro I have no worries that he's going to pick up the idealisms of this offense uh and like I said I expect this receiving core to challenge each other to better themselves all year long Jarvis has talked to the media. Michael Thomas has talked to the media. Cam Jordan has. Others have. One person that hasn't is Alvin Kamara. So since he won't speak, here's Jarvis Landry talking about Alvin Kamara. He's smooth. He's a leader. You know, he's a guy out there that I'm learning from as well. You know, we got choice routes. We, he does things at the backfield like a receiver. You know, he lines up in sometimes in the slot or outside and runs routes against DBs, linebackers, whoever. You know, so he's a guy that's very versatile, very smooth, comes to work every day, brings his hard hat every day. You know, got one of the guys that you want to have on your team for sure. All right. So a veteran talking about uh, Alvin Kamara in his fourth season. Uh, your thoughts. Uh, can can Alvin Kamara, is he, is he going to be better than he has been before? 
I think it's entirely possible, uh, at least better production, uh, because, again, you look at the weapons throughout that offense. Michael Thomas is back. Chris Olave looks dynamic. Jarvis Landry, you know, a five-time Pro Bowler. You need no, you say no more than that. Uh, you know, it, who, who are you going to guard? Who are you gonna who are you mm-hmm. gonna put your best players on? Uh, you know, so I think that increases the pot. I mean, obviously defenses are gonna focus on Alvin Kamara. They you have to, uh, but your best players, your best coverage players, are gonna be spread out more because of the talent in that Saints receiving core. In my opinion, and I said this from the start, uh, you know, right after the draft. Uh, yeah, in my opinion, Alvin Kamara is going to have a heck of a year. As a receiver, I expect him as a rusher too, but as a receiver, because he's just going to have so many more one-on-one opportunities, uh, you know, uh, probably against linebackers or against the team's third or fourth coverage option, because a, a team now has to devote their top co- you know, corners and top coverage safeties to Thomas, Landry, and Alave. Otherwise, they're going to get beat over the top. Uh, and I love to hear Jarvis, what Jarvis Landry said about Kamara's ability as a receiver. That's an indication to me that you know, unlike last year where they didn't use him as often as what I thought they would uh, yeah. or should, Right. That Alvin Kamara is going to be used more often as a receiver like he was in his first few years. All right, Bob Rose, St. Suzette. When the Saints go four wide, we know you got Thomas, you got uh, Landry, you got Olave. Who's number four? That's the question. Is it? Uh, and it that, that is going to be the. Uh, uh, it, yeah, it'll be. Uh, Camaro will get his shots for sure. Uh, yeah, as far as a fourth wide out right now, based off what I've seen. Uh, and what I've heard, you got to go with Traquan Smith. Uh, and, <laughs> and I'm not a fan of Traquan. And this competition is far from over. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know, right now, if you know, if they if the Houston Texans were week one of the regular season, I think Traquan Smith is your fourth wideout. Uh, but that, you know, like you pointed out, that doesn't necessarily mean that Pete Carmichael is going to go four wideouts when he four wide receivers when he goes to that right. four wide maybe it's Taysom Hill out of the slot we know that Alvin Kamara is a dangerous weapon out of the slot and out wide so you know those are pieces that are going to be mixed and matched all year long uh, and I doubt we even see a lot of that mixing and matching during preseason because Pete Carmichael Dennis Allen they know what they have in Kamara uh, and those other receivers right. they're going to give the guys like Traquan Smith Deontay Hardy Marquez Callaway and those other younger wideouts they're going to give their uh, those guys the opportunity to earn a job, but yeah, I think Kamara is going to be lined up as a you know, third or fourth wide receiver quite often this year. All right, Bob Rose, Saint Sue's Network. We'll take a quick time out here. We'll come back part two here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. Look at him, healthy, drinking that water. One zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. We're your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. We'll be right back. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 9th, 1975. The first NFL game in the Louisiana Superdome takes place. The Houston Oilers defeat the New Orleans Saints 13-7 in a preseason contest. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
All right, we continue, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network with the uh, Black and Gold Report. Kyle, this first game in the Superdome, a preseason game in the Houston Oilers. Um, <laughs> how different is this Saints organization now as compared to way back then? I mean, it's like light years. Okay, Bob, uh, today, Tuesday, day 12 of Saints training camp, they went inside uh, in shells, was not open to the public. Um, no Jameis Winston obviously we talked about that but a good pickup defensively marcus davenport back in the fray again that's good news yay absolutely it is absolutely it is uh yeah and and i think marcus davenport is in line for a big year uh you know despite missing seven games last year and uh, only playing in 11 he had uh he had the best production by far uh of his career up to this point uh I think all of us are waiting for this kid to completely put it together. Yeah. Uh, you know, he has shown flashes of why the Saints coveted him so highly uh, you know, in the first round of the 2018 draft. Uh, but he, he needs to stay on the field uh, and entering a contract year. Uh, you know, he's in line for some big, big bucks, uh, be it with New Orleans or someone else. Yeah. Uh, if he could stay on that field and finally put his, uh, you know, his athletic promise to fruition. The Saints, uh, sticking with the defensive line, they uh, acquired T.J. Carter, uh, and he was on the practice field um, for his first practice. Take me into the logic behind that and tell me about T.J. Carter. Uh, well, you know, first, T.J. Carter, he has yet to appear in an NFL regular season game. Uh, you know, an undrafted kid uh, signed by the Arizona yeah, Arizona Cardinals in 2020 uh, and spent time with the Pittsburgh Steelers practice squad before being drafted uh, by the Michigan Panthers of the USFL this past spring. Uh, yeah, he did show I didn't I, I wasn't able to find a lot of tape on him, uh-huh. uh, but the tape that I could find from the USFL this past spring. Uh, yeah, he, he looks like a physical player up front. Uh, and I see the logic behind the signing. Uh, yeah, he has an uphill. Let's be honest here. He has an uphill climb uh, yeah, to make this ra- roster at a very deep, deep and talented defensive lines, especially at the defensive end. Uh, but this is how you find your diamonds in the rough, Jordy, as you know. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it, you would think TJ is probably fighting for a practice squad spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but maybe maybe a spot for the future uh you know if he could really stand out uh and uh and distinguish himself well in training camp because again marcus davenport's coming into a contract year to know a passenger is coming into a contract year as our shy title and david on yamata inside maybe tj carter turns out to be a diamond in the rough and sort of a late bloomer uh you know we've seen it throughout nfl history uh you know to take place that way uh you know so uh, a lot of people just assume that a signing like this is a camp body uh yeah this kid is going to be fighting out there you know for for every inch he gets so watch him um the the saints go through situational drills they go one-on-one they go seven v seven they go 11 on 11 they did some two-minute drills uh today where the the offense took over on their own 30-yard line with a buck 15 left on the clock and some timeouts to work with so um they're they're kind of getting into the into the sway of things, and for, by all by all accounts, um, that Saints quarterback room is pretty good. Ian Book is playing lights out of late. Yeah, he really is. Uh, you know the footage I've seen, he looks uh, he looks sharp. 
Uh, he looks a lot more decisive than he did in limited reps, uh, you know, that he got as a rookie. And I, you know, I'm talking all the way back, uh, you know, to preseason, you know, certainly uh, in the regular season as well. Uh, and in my opinion, books fighting for a legitimate roster spot here. Uh, you know, it's it's not going to be handed to him. I don't think he's going to be able to unseat Andy Dalton uh, as the number two quarterback behind Jameis Winston because, you know, they just like the experience that Dalton brings to this offense. Uh, but, yeah, if and you and I have talked about it before, too. Yeah, if Ian Book plays lights out, the Saints can't afford – to release him and expect that he'll be you know, clear waivers and bring him back to the practice squad. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it's on Book's shoulders to really make the coaches realize, you know, I, I can't subject this kid to anybody else. I got to keep him on the roster. Yeah, very important. Um, our buddy John Hendricks was at training camp, and he, he mentioned your boy, Traquan Smith, uh, and he mentioned something that uh, maybe the other guys aren't nearly as – adept at and that's his ability to block and that's what Traquan Smith does probably as good if not better than any of the wide receivers in that room I I'll go further than that and you know and as critical as I have been th about Traquan Smith throughout his career uh, I would put him near the top of the list of uh, the mm -hmm. better blocking wideouts in the entire league uh, and and the Saints coaches have confidence in him. Uh, you know, if you look back ever since he was a rookie, Traquan Smith is in on those short uh, short yardage and goal line packages. Uh, you know, sometimes if they go with only one, one wide receiver, that's on the rare occasion that Michael Thomas gets a breather and Traquan Smith is there. Now, wide receivers get paid to make plays. Uh, and, and make catches and get separation. And that's that's where I'm critical of Traquan. Uh, but when you're talking about you know, a guy fighting for a fourth or fifth wide receiver spot, little things like that, like the ability to block uh, and the ability to, to tie up defenders uh, you know, on those edge runs uh, and, and crack back on a linebacker, uh, you know, that, that's going to be key when the roster decisions are ultimately made. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Um, we both believe that Michael Thomas will be a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL again. And I, I, I just, I just think he's too darn good. Does he get better because of all the weapons that the saints do have? It seems like that's just a natural, easy answer, but Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas and, and coaches, remember and coaches figure out these things but do you think he'll put up better numbers because of all the the talent surrounding him i no i don't okay. uh it, because of the talent around him uh there just aren't enough footballs to go around okay. michael thomas is still going to be the alpha in that receiving uh you know receiving room as he should be uh but i i just i can't see a scenario where Michael Thomas pulls in 140, 150 uh, you know, catches uh, in a year again. Uh, you know, I could see him coming down with 120, maybe even as high as 130. Uh, but it, you know, if he's going as high as 140 or above, uh, yeah, that's an indication that these other receivers are either banged up uh, or just didn't produce like all of us thought that they would. You know, Alave, Jarvis Landry, all those guys. Uh, I just think that the you know, Pete Carmichael's goal is to spread the football around, probably similar to what we saw midway through Drew Brees' career uh, yeah. when we didn't see you know, any numbers like that. Uh, I do expect Thomas to have at least 100, uh, 100 catches. Uh, like I said, I, I have him coming in at 100, 120 if he's healthy. Uh, yeah, so he... He's going to be extremely effective, uh, but better numbers 
I, I, I doubt we see that. Uh, Bob Rose, Saints News Network, Black and Gold Report, each and every Tuesday here on uh, on our show, the Jordy Helpert Show, on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Everybody puts the Cowboys as a Super Bowl contender. What do they have that's better than the Saints? The Saints have better wide receivers. I'll take Kamara over there, Ezekiel Elliott. Mm-hmm. Um, Dak Prescott, is he that much better? Then the Saints quarterback, what, what is it about the Cowboys that, that, that they see in them that they don't see in the Saints? My friend, it's the star in the side of their heads. God, I like yeah, the that, Florida League better. Uh, so do I. Uh, and I like Jameis Winston better than Dak Prescott. Uh, yeah, the, the Dallas Cowboys, I see as paper champions. Yeah, they have talent. Uh, yeah, they, they get these splashy signings and splashy draft picks. Uh, and, and and I love Micah Parsons, by the way. He's my he's my favorite Dallas Terrific Cowboy, and player. it sickens Terrific. me a little bit to hear that uh, or to say that. Uh, but, yeah, the Cowboys, I look at them defensively. They have holes all over the place. Uh, you know, they have a patchwork offensive line. Uh, that, again, it looks good on paper, but this unit has to come together. Uh, and like you said, they got far worse in the receiving core. And Zeke yeah. Elliott is on a, a rapid downhill spiral to his career. I think if, if you swapped rosters uh, and you put this Cowboys roster in New Orleans and the Saints roster uh, you know, in, in Dallas, uh, you know, that, that BS Vegas over underline, uh, you know, for, for eight, eight and a half wins this season, uh, that, that might double if you put the star on the side of the Saints helmet. Saints defense is better, right? They have better personnel. Without a doubt. I mean, this is, for my money, this is the best defense in the National Football League from front to back uh, and you know, at top to bottom on the depth chart. Uh, and I actually don't think this unit gets enough respect, uh, but they're sure as heck going to earn it once you know, once those uh, you know, shots start firing for real. Uh, yeah, I, I'll take the Saints defense against anybody. Man, 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 man. Um, how's the depth at linebacker for the Saints this year? A little bit scary. Okay. Uh, you know, obviously you have, you know, Demario Davis, Pete Warner are going to be your top two. Right. Uh, the coaches still have confidence and I could see why, uh, and Caden Ellis being their third guy. Uh, but what, you know, they're going to go, they're going to run an awful lot of nickel packages, uh, you know, with that extra defensive back and only two linebackers. Yeah. Uh, you know, so as long as Demario, knock on wood, as long as Demario and Pete Warner stay healthy, that, uh, that strategy will work. Uh, but after that depth gets a little bit scary. I like Eric Wilson, the off season signee. Uh, free agent from you know the Vikings and Eagles. Uh, he's a tackle machine, but he's a little bit vulnerable in space. Uh, DeMarco Jackson, I don't know what his issue is. He hasn't been practicing, so I suspect he might be banged up. Uh, but it, you know, even so, you're talking about a fifth-round rookie uh, who's now a little bit behind the learning curve. So he's got a whole lot of ground to make up. Zach Bond, to me, is not a fit in this defense. Uh, you know, Kiko Alonso, you know, just decided to call it a career after uh, after one practice uh, with this physical Saints team, uh, you know, which leaves you with Chase Hansen, a guy that they brought back. Uh, yeah, and Chase is going to be fighting with a roster for a roster spot with Andrew Dowell, who I know our John Hendricks absolutely loves and probably has the inside track, uh, you know, for that fourth linebacker spot right now. Uh, yeah, depth uh, depth at this position scares me a little bit. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. I don't. Kamara's not not going to play. Shouldn't play. I don't think Mark Ingram should play in the preseason. Just right. my opinion. So this gives an opportunity uh, to develop and find out who that third running back's going to be. Do you still believe in the undrafted rookie out of Baylor, or is Tony Jones Jr. making some plays now? 
Uh, Danny Jones Jr. is making some noise this camp, that is for sure. Uh, but I like Abram Smith a lot. I love his physical between the tackles running style. He's an extremely decisive one-cut runner. Uh, and like you said, if I'm Dennis Allen, uh, I agree with you. I, I don't play Kamara a single snap. I probably don't play Ingram a single snap. Uh, you know, the, the whole reason we've been saying, look, this is why the Saints aren't bringing in aren't selling the farm to bring in proven veterans because they want to give these reps to these young guys see if they can prove themselves and i mean who knows maybe you do have another pierre thomas chris ivory Kyrie robinson uh we won't know until or unless it happens uh but yeah you know coming into this houston game i give all the reps to abram smith tony jones divina zigbo i you know i i let them show me what they can do in game situations how many how many running backs do they normally keep because i know a lot of them will do special teams. At least a mm-hmm. few of them will do special teams. What, what's the number you think? They usually like to keep four and a fullback. Okay. Uh, you know, the, the you know the fullback as of right now being Adam Prentice. Right. Uh, yeah, the fullback was a Sean Payton thing. Uh, you know, if you look back to when Pete Carmichael was the primary play caller, they didn't use the fullback a whole lot. So I'm not guaranteeing a roster spot to Adam Prentice at all, uh, but I, I can see them keeping five running backs total. But two of those guys, at least two of those guys, have to be predominant special teamers. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing, fans, that you have to remember. You know, we might be able to, you know, we might see some pretty runs from these you know, undrafted backs uh, and, and have some of you scratching their heads if they don't make the roster at the end of the uh, preseason right. at the training right. camp cuts. Uh, that's because we have to watch them just as closely on special teams if yeah. they're getting a lot of reps on special teams and making some plays for offense then you got yourself a player Bob Rose, next week we'll have actual a game to talk about we'll break it all down thank you my friend have a great week thank you you too jordy good to see you as always okay buddy Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. We thank our guest today, Matthew Bruni, all things LSU football. Corey Diaz, all things Raging Cajun football. Bob Rose, all things New Orleans Saints football. If today, August 9th, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with um, legendary basketball player, teamed up with the late Bill Russell. Bob Cousy is 94 years old today. Great tennis player. Uh, a lefty from down under, Rod Laver, is 84 years old today. From born in the state of Louisiana, had his claim to fame at Grambling, and then won a Super Bowl for the Washington Redskins. Doug Williams is 67 years old today. Prime time. Deion Sanders is 55 today. And the former number one pick in the NFL draft just didn't pan out. Former LSU Tiger, Jamarcus Russell, is now 37 years old. I wonder what Jamarcus Russell is doing these days. I have no clue. 
absolutely no clue, but happy birthday to him. Uh, James, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in whatever form or fashion that you do. Thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. Tomorrow, hump day with uh, with Huguenin on Wednesday. We'll talk all things college football. We'll bring you the latest from the Saints, the Tigers, the Cajuns, and the Cowboys, and everything else that's happening in the world of sports. So until next time, I am Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy man that's that's the best that's the most important thing let's be kind to one another please and let's be happy right let's be happy so long everybody we'll see you tomorrow